everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Hello Storyteller podcast. Melissa is here. Hi, Meg. Hey, hey. <laughs> and we are super excited today uh, for our guest, Rachel Griman um, from Green Chair Stories. Hi, Rachel. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. So uh, you're actually the first interview that we have for, I almost said 2020. It's not 2020. First no, interview no, it's not, friend. 2021. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because this morning I was like, oh, well, I can start this journal for 2020. I was like, it's June 2021, Rachel. We are six <laughs> months in, girl. <laughs> it's Wait one of those things where, I know. I feel like time has like just been like very linear. I guess there's been no, like no concept of what, how time it doesn't is exist. anymore. It doesn't exist. Yeah. No, it's horrible. Not anymore. Not for us. I don't think so. Okay. Awesome. So Rachel, we're super excited to have you with us today for a couple of reasons. A, because I feel like the copywriting process is really interesting and can feel incredibly overwhelming if you are in the process of trying to either create or update a website that you have specific, you know, specifically as a photographer. But I also find it to be really fascinating. Like the idea of, of, of a copywriter, like really understanding their client and being able to create, you know, the copy for their website. Um, and to do that for multiple people to me feels exhausting because <laughs> having, having done it myself for my own website, I can't imagine, having to go do it for somebody else. Although maybe it might, maybe it might feel easier. If I didn't, I don't know, but in any case, so I would love to just get to give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are and where green chair stories came from and just a little bit more information about what you do. And then we're going to get into more into sort of, sort of the nitty gritty of, of copywriting. Sure. So I started photographing in high school. I was the yearbook photographer and I loved it. And then when I went to college, there wasn't, I didn't really want to do fine art photography. And so I chose photojournalism. So it was just writing and photography combined in one. And I loved it. It just allowed, mm -hmm. I felt like my stories had so much more dimension when I could add words to them. And I loved the humanness of it, you know, just kind of studying why people are the way that they are. And I know that we all get to do that from behind our lens, but being able to ask questions and interview and really dig into them was just so fascinating to me. And then I worked in nonprofits for about 10 years, starting in college um, until many years afterward. And I was always a writer and photographer at every place that I worked. And so they were never really separate for me. They mm -hmm. were both. And Green Chair Stories came at my last full-time job. I worked at a massive homeless shelter in Denver, Colorado. And we decorated our offices with donated furniture. Mm. And so on my first day, I went into this big warehouse and in the corner, I saw this beautiful like velvet green chair. And I was like, Oh, that's the one I want. Nice. <laughs> Cause I knew that I would be interviewing people a lot for my job and I wanted something comfy for them to sit in. So they brought it back to my office and that chair just kind of became a metaphor for everything that I did while I worked there. Um, people would come in and we would laugh. Some people would cry. I interviewed the CEO of the company in that chair or of the organization. And also, you know, Know, homeless guys who had just been like four days sober off the street. Mm. And it was just such a cool visual to see what an equalizer, just like a listening ear can be. Yeah. And so I 
started Green Chair Stories, you know, from that chair and from my experiences there. And I thought that it was just going to be photography because I had been doing family photography on the side in like a journalism documentary style. And I was like, you know what, you can't really make money writing. Like if writing opportunities come to me, then I'll take them. But this is going to be mostly a photography company. And then like a year in, it became very evident that all the photography groups I had joined to learn how to run a photography business really were in desperate need of help with writing. So it was like writing completely overtook the photography side of my business. And I still definitely shoot, obviously not as much in the past year because of COVID, right. but, <laughs> um, but I've been writing for photographers ever since. And now I've worked with almost 300 photographers since like 2014. Wow. It's such a fascinating process. And I think it's, it's interesting because just because you're sort of maybe talented in one artistic or your creative expression does not mean that you have that skill in another. And I think I see that I see it so much in the photography groups that I am in when it comes to like, what do I put on my website? How do I present myself? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is, I think there is this feeling among photographers, right. That it's sort of the same sort of cookie cutter, you know, Oh, I'm Melissa and I'm a natural light photographer and da, 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 And I love coffee and, you know, all of these things. And, um, I think as we, before we started recording, I was explaining to Rachel that I, as I've talked about before in the podcast here, I just went through a rebrand with Britt and Kelsey from Launcher Daydream, which we all have uh, a shared love for. End of 2020, nope, end of 2019. <laughs> See, there's that time thing again. End of 2019 oh through 2020. And it was such an eye-opening experience to, to go through the process of figuring out how do I present myself to clients? How do I write down who I am and what I do and why I do it and what their experience will be like in a way that's going to draw people in, especially because we know people don't spend a lot of time (laughs) necessarily right on websites. There has to be something that sort of pulls them in. Absolutely. And so I think that, that process of going through and, and I have a a degree from, from undergrad in English and creative writing. And so as I was telling Rachel before we start recording, I was like, well, I feel like this is, this is the time <laughs> to try to put this to good use, um, and make it work. But I was very clear with Britt and Kelsey. I was like, listen, if this does not work, then just tell me. And actually when I was initially sort of looking at who, like if, if this goes sideways, who do I outsource to actually your, your company was one of the companies I was looking at. Cause I had been, it had been suggested to me by another photographer. And so, Oh, great. You were on my, of my button, my list of people <laughs> to, to get in touch with, but I would love to sort of hear from you, maybe, you know, what do you think are some of the, like the, the, the biggest sort of like, nope, don't do that sort of things that you see photographers do on websites that you'd be like, you might want to think about that again. <laughs> yeah. A big one that I like, I'm still surprised that it's such a common thing, but it is, especially for family photographers people tend to just have like a big old gallery on their homepage when people land on it and it takes a long time for their site to load and there's just not a lot of words or it's just like so-and-so photography based in wherever natural light or something like that. And it's Mm -hmm. just, there's no copy there. There's nothing drawing someone in. I think a big mistake photographers make is thinking that our work speaks for itself. And 
not to say that you don't have a lot of talented people in your community and in this audience, but I'm a photographer myself. And I know better than anyone that that's just not true to an untrained eye. A lot of people won't be able to tell you why my photos are better or different than someone else's. They're just going to say, I like that. And then they want to know, why should I hire you? And so if you don't have the words to answer that question for them, there's no reason for them to stick around. Now it's different if like you're a specialty photographer who only shoots other professional photographers or people with a very specific aesthetic, but most people looking for photos don't know why they like a certain photo. So you need words to support that. Absolutely. For sure. And I think that question, right. of, Of why should someone hire you is a really important question to be thinking about when you're starting to try to write copy for your website is mm-hmm. trying to answer that question. Right. Um, and I don't, I, I hate to harp on family photographers, but I think that because the budgets are smaller, you know, most family photographers get paid less than wedding photographers. Right. The website becomes less of a, less of a thing that people are willing to invest in. And mm-hmm. so I see a lot of like DIY templates bought, five or 10 years ago. And those templates all have those really image heavy, um, non-scrolling static homepages that it's just like, it's not going to make anybody stick around. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm thinking back there. You're having me going back and I'm thinking, I'm like, let me think about the first website I had. (laughs) Same. Me too. Same. I had the same exact one. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it was funny because when I went through the process with Launcher Daydream and they initially showed it to me, I did, I had this sort of knee jerk of like, that's a lot of words uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> on that. Like, are you sure you want to put all of this on the first page? Are you sure mm-hmm. about that? Um, but now it makes so much more sense to me. So not putting enough text would be one sort of like mistake that people make. Yeah. What would something else be that you think people are listening to this and thinking, Oh, let me go take a look at my website. What's maybe another one or two things to sort of keep an eye out for. Yeah. Um, I think a big one is having very boring or generic headlines. Mm. You want your headlines. Like I bet most of your listeners have like a, hi, I'm Emily as a headline for like leading to their about page on their homepage. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, how many other ways can you introduce yourself to grab someone's attention? Like uh, something that if you follow me, you think I beat to death is I could say like, I eat cookies for breakfast. That's a much more interesting headline to get someone's attention than hi, I'm Rachel. So you want to think about, you want to lead with your most interesting stuff. The body copy underneath simply supports whatever you introduced in the headline. If you think of your headlines as kind of opening a loop, that's a common uh, phrase in copywriting. When you open a loop in someone's brain, you've either asked a question, piqued their interest, or you hint at a solution to their problems, or you kind of start to paint the picture of the outcome of their dream scenario. When you open that mental loop, their brain is going to look to close it in your copy. They're going to keep hunting until they feel satisfied because it's basically like giving someone like a small, small taste of dessert and they're looking to be satiated. So your headline can be that little taste to keep people hunting and reading. So they're consuming more of your content and getting to like know and trust you along the way. Yeah. And I think also along with that, that's a really interesting concept, like that idea of opening up a loop, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think 
what part of the problem is figuring out what to say. The other right. part is like, is the other part is how do I organize it? Like where, right. where do I put what and how do I draw people's attention? And I, I, I'm so thankful that I was just like, here, I wrote all of it. And now you guys figure out where you want to put it. Right. Right. <laughs> somebody else figure out the design aspect of it. But I think that mm. concept of sort of like drawing people in. And I, I, I tried myself to go back and think of like, what would, like, what would get my attention or what has gotten my attention in the past and how do I want to sort of present myself? Cause I think there is, you know, I think there is necess- there can, there can potentially be sort of a line between being interesting and being sort of like kitschy and, yeah. and making sure that you're not falling into that latter category. And I think, right. You know, I made the joke about coffee, but I feel like if you look at anybody's like Instagram, like any photographer, a lot of photographers like mm-hmm. Instagram profile is like, you know, like light seeker, coffee lover. Yes. Lover like, of light, drinker of all the coffee. Yeah. And so yeah. I, it's one of those things that like, you know, it needs to be, it has to be you. It has mm-hmm. to be, which I think, and I don't know, Rachel, if you would agree with me on this or not, I think it's really hard for photographers because we are very used to being behind the scenes, behind the camera. And so having to sort of present ourselves or talk about ourselves, even though I would probably make a general statement that creators as a whole are are a little bit self-absorbed, I think it's Mm -hmm. hard to to sometimes translate that to an outward facing sort of message. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to touch on, you know, not knowing how to organize something. A very easy tip is that when you're writing a section of your website, you write the whole thing, you know, just stream of consciousness. It's not going to be great, but then you pick out the most interesting thing you wrote and you make that a headline Mm -hmm. because there's always going to be a couple snippets of gold, even in your worst writing. (laughs) So you go back and pick your most interesting point and you make that the headline and then you can organize your thoughts around it to support it rather than burying the lead. Yeah. And it is, it is an editing process. I mean, Oh my gosh. Yes. That stream of conscious that you talk about, I think was the case of, you know, I mean, I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, and then I sort of had to go back and revise and revise. And I was like, I got to narrow it. Like, too many words or not enough words was not my problem. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's anybody's problem when they sit down and actually try to write a site. Sure. Yeah. And so, but it is this sort of, and I think, I think I was not, I was not prepared for how long that process was going to take me when I was going mm-hmm. through it. And I think that sometimes can be a surprise if you're, tr- if you're someone who's trying to write it on your own, which is why I mean, I think my sites turned out fine. I'm happy with how they turned out, but I also feel like I probably could have saved myself a lot of time and headache if I had brought somebody else in. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that process with you about, you know, how do you sort of work with your clients? Because I think the concern is like, well, how is this person going to be able to, to speak like, like I would speak or, or share about, you know, myself the same way I would. And I think that can sometimes be a bit of a hesitation on people's parts when they're looking to say, am I going to write it myself? Or am I going to outsource it and hire a copywriter? So I'd love for you to sort of talk about how you sort of work with your clients and how that process happens. Yeah, that's a great question. And one that I get a lot when people are just curious about what it might look like to work with us. So copywriters are basically there to sell your, to write words that will sell your services and products. That's like the like skimpiest definition I can give you. But the actual process of copywriting is a lot more in depth than that. Writing is like the cherry on top of what we do. Research 
into our clients and their brand and their clients is really where the crux of our workload comes from. Writing is really more about assembling those pieces that we find in the research than it is about just like sitting down to a blank Google doc and just pulling words out of thin air. Because I think it would be I would never hire someone if that was their copywriting process, because then it's just their words. They're just making it up and saying that they're yours. But the way that we work, and I honestly, every copywriter that I know does not write like that. So (laughs) worry. Um, I know a lot of very talented copywriters and we all learn from each other. And so how we work, we have a process that we have gotten down, like really down pat in the past seven years. So it's, 11 days start to finish for us when we write your site, but we only take one client at a time. So you have a hundred percent of our attention during that time. And so it starts with a really in-depth questionnaire. I think there's like 40 questions at this point. And then we call two of your past clients and we interview them for like 30 or 45 minutes about what it was like to work with you. And more importantly, what was the deciding factor in hiring you? Because that Mm. is where you want to um, grip people who come to your site. You want to know what pushes people over the edge to hit that contact button or to put a down payment down to hire you. We want to really get into what's going on in people's minds when they're making that decision, because then we can just speak right to it in your copy. And that's going to be different for every photographer. You might see a lot of the same words, but the voice and tone and problems that you address on a site, that's where you can get creative. And that's where the research comes in because the information we get from those clients really tells us where we need to kind of set the needle when we go to write the copy. So then we have a call after we, with our actual client, after we talk to their clients, and then we write the first draft in a week. And then we have five work days, Monday through Friday to work with them to get it exactly where they want it to be. So that's like a very abbreviated version, but that's how it works to work with us. Um, But I always say we spend about 80% of our time on research and 20% of our time on writing and editing. Wow. I am, I am like blown away that it's 11 days in total. I know everybody says that, but when you only have one client, you really just get to focus on it. That's kind of nice, huh? Yeah, I love it. I mean, I have two writers who work for me full time. And so they might have a client and I might have a client, but I would never, ever have two clients at once on my plate. I like that you can put all of your creative focus just on that one client. So you're not kind of swayed in any which direction when you're working with others as well. So I kind of. Absolutely. That would be really hard for me because we are so niched. I always say we're like the nichiest of the niches because (laughs) I like like will not work with anybody that's not a photographer at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. Because a lot of copywriting, again, if you're working with outside industries, you're going to need to double that timeline because you're going to need to spend at least a week or two just getting to know the industry. Whereas for us, we come in with half the research done because we've done this now. My writers have been with me for three years. So we have a lot of the upfront industry research done and we can just spend time on their demographic and their exact clients. But because it's so similar, I really cannot have competing voices in my head. I just don't think that would be fair to my clients. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I think too, that I would, I would, I think that niching down part of it Um, as a, you know, as a consumer, when I was looking to sort of figure out website stuff, I Mm -hmm. wanted people that only work with photographers because I thought how, how like, and that's part of why I, I chose who I did to design my website. But that was also one of the things that when I looked at your site, I was like, Oh, okay. Because like, I need to know that these people understand what I do. 
and not what they uh-huh. think that I do, right? Like what people think sometimes photographers do and then what photographers know that we actually do are not necessarily always the same thing, or there's, there's big important pieces that are missing. So I think that's super helpful and important just because you understand as a photographer yourself and yeah. working only with photographers, like you do have that, that sort of unique, you know, perspective and viewpoint to be able to really speak to what photographers do in their work and how to communicate that to, to clients, to potential clients. Yeah. And I feel like because I'm working with the same demographic, one client interview that I do can totally feed an idea for another client. Like I'm always talking to people who hire photographers every single week. I'm talking to someone who has hired a photographer. So it's almost just like one giant survey of what people Mm. expect or experience. And I can kind of put people in buckets of like, oh, this kind of photographer, their clients usually struggle with these five problems, which two are the most important to their people in their location. And so it really is just kind of like a massive research project (laughs) constantly. Yeah. Which I'm sure that's probably really interesting for you on both ends of your business too, of sort of, you know, the photography side and, and the writing side too. And that's where that sort of, you know, that brand voice that you need to sort of be able to, to come through in your website is so important. It's such an integral part of, of the writing process of really being able to encapsulate that experience on behalf of not just the clients, but also um, of working with the photographer as well. And really touching on those pain points that photographers have and knowing we talk about this, we talked about this before on the podcast, but you know, knowing who your clients are, and like mm-hmm. figuring out who, like, who am I going to be talking to? <laughs> like on my website, who am I speaking to? And right. understanding that part of it too. And that is a lot of trial and error for some photographers. Like at this mm-hmm. point, we won't work with people who haven't been in business for at least two or three years, because if you're newer, I don't want you to waste your money on copywriting when you don't even know who you want to work with yet. So it's like, try it on for size, change your website every six months and see how it changes your inquiries. You know, have a bad experience shooting a particular kind of session or a particular kind of wedding and then write copy that will repel clients like that in the future, not in a mean way, but just in a way that where they land on your site, they know that's not what you do. So Mm -hmm. it's, it is like a giant experiment when you're just starting out. And then we love to work with people who have really clarified at least in their own heads, who they want to be working with. They just need help kind of like articulating that on their site. Yeah. And I feel like the, the writing piece of the website part of it too, you know, when you think about sort of the business and branding as a, as a whole is, you know, I feel like I see, and I'm sure Meg, you know, I know, I know we see this in the health storyteller community too. And we have this, um, in our community group, we have this pro tip. Is it pro tip Tuesday, pro tip Wednesday? I think it is. And Tuesday. Where, people, Tuesday, where people can actually like come ask questions and ask people who are, you know, who are full-time professional photographers. And over and over again, we see questions from people about like, you know, oh, I've had this really awful client experience or, you know, how do I'm not getting the clients that I want. And, you know, so much of that A is, as you've mentioned, is understanding who you want your clients mm-hmm. to be and who your clients are. And then also like, how do you speak to that, to those people? And I think sometimes just people forget how important that is. Like you can't just like, you know, sort of like will something into existence. You have to know, right. Cause there's a marketing. It's, it's all part of the business process of being a photographer and, and marketing is such a crucial part of that. And you do part of that marketing, a lot of that marketing, um, obviously through your website and through how you're speaking to your clients. And so I feel like 
for a lot of the newer photographers that we see in our community, that is definitely an area where they are struggling. Either they don't have a website yet or they have one, but it wasn't much thought sort of put into what should be there. And so, yeah, I mean, I hope that people that are listening today are understanding like just how crucial and important, like good, good website copy is to being able to attract. And also I loved your note about repelling yeah. <laughs> the clients that you don't want because right. it, it can, it can do and should do both. Oh, a hundred percent. And I would say you should focus on repelling clients almost as much as you focus on attracting them because mm -hmm. the more people that come to your site and say, Ooh, that's not for me. The more specific, the people who you want to be there, like the more they'll feel you're speaking directly to them. So the more specific you can be in your copy, the better, because, and that's why I always say, right. Especially if you're DIYing your site, you want to write your site as like, if it's a love letter to your favorite client you've ever worked with, I always say like, close mm. your eyes, picture her or him. And I want you to write that whole site as if you're talking just to them, even like you can slip in inside jokes in the beginning, if you want, if that helps you, but you want it to feel so personalized that when someone like your favorite client comes to their site is like, oh my gosh, this is exactly who I, I need to hire because like, no offense, but I know that there's a hundred other people that are very similar to me and have very similar interests to me. That's just a fact in the world. Right. And yeah. so if somebody writes a site to someone like me, I'm going to get there and be like, Ooh, that's for me, you know? So mm -hmm. I always say specificity is one of the most important things that you can focus on when you're writing your site. I love that. I love that idea of writing it like a love letter. That's such a great way to framework it. Like that just clicked in my brain. And yeah, I was like, that totally clicked too. <laughs> and I think it's an important delineation between that and an ideal client. And I know I am not, and here's the thing. Everything I say is my opinion. I am one copywriter amongst literal thousands, but this is what I've seen work for my clients as photographers. I'm not speaking to other industries here, but people want to talk about avatars and ideal clients and writing these long lengthy descriptions about what she looks like, where she shops, how many kids she has, where she lives, that kind of thing. And I do think that those can be helpful for some people, especially if you haven't photographed anyone yet. Mm -hmm. But I would say focus on your real life information that you have. Nothing is better than your lived experience. And if you have a lived experience with a client who you love, you don't need to write an avatar. He or she is your avatar. Like just use them as you know, your motivation and your fodder and who you visualize when you're writing because they exist in the world. You don't have to make anything up. Yeah, absolutely. No, that just said like, it just, it 100% clicked and now I'm like, Hmm, I need to go back. <laughs> <laughs> you should, you I should. I need to go back and look at my website. So we're done yeah. with this. Make we're sure. Get off now and go. Write <laughs> there you go. There you really go. <laughs> I can't wait. So Rachel, I know there's a couple of different ways that people can sort of work with, with you and, and your company. I guess the, the, one of the important questions would be, cause this episode will likely air next week. And so it is timely. And so with that question, are you currently taking on new clients? Are you guys booked in full? And there's a, we got to wait a little bit or like how is some, I know there's a couple of different ways that they can work with you. I know that you have sort of a, a DIY sort of guide as I saw yes. on your website. And then there's also a couple different options to actually work directly with you. And so why don't you walk us through, um, what those are? 
Yeah, there's three ways to work with me. The first and easiest is just my do-it-yourself guide. It's called the Photographer's Guide to Write Your Site Right. It's $199. I'm happy to give your audience a coupon. Um, let's just make it Hello15 for awesome. 15% off. Um, Ooh, I like it. Yeah, there you go. And <laughs> it just walks you. It's like a 60-page PDF that walks you through my exact process that I use with my clients. And so it just allows you to do it yourself. I highly recommend this for people who are newer to business and just kind of trying to get something out there. It's really in depth, but it doesn't have to take a long time. I think you could probably work through it in a week or two and get a site up and running. If you don't have kids, maybe you could do it faster. <laughs> but in my reality, things yep. take longer. True so, story. <laughs> but a couple nap times and you'll be through that bad boy. Um, <laughs> so that's the DIY guide. And then I offer copy audits, which is um, the easiest and least expensive way to work with me directly directly. Um, I basically audit websites. It's called the green chair glow up. You give me your website as close to done as you can get it. And I audit every single piece of copy on the page. I read every review anyone has ever left for you. I read your last 365 days worth of Instagram captions and Facebook posts, wherever you post on your blogs, I go through everything. And then we meet for a call and I go through and tell you which sections need to be reworked, how you can rework them. I give you lines of copy. Um, I'm not writing the site for you line by line, but mm -hmm. it's just like a really affordable way to get my eyes on your copy. And then the most popular way to work with us is to hire me or one of my associates for a full website rewrite. We do have some availability this summer. I am not taking any clients until this fall because I'm fully booked. I do have glow up spots, but not full writing spots. And, but my associates do have room and they are wonderful. They have both written more sites than me this year by far. So they're like in it more than I am. I am just like the queen editor at this point. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, they're brilliant. Honestly, I could talk about my writers for hours, but I won't. So that's like the final way to work with us just hiring us for a full rewrite, but it's really fast once we do it. So yeah, but I really want to like reiterate, not that I'm trying to talk myself out of a job here, but I really do <laughs> think that DIYing your site is not only possible, but you can do it really, really well. It just is a matter of prioritizing it and making it important. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think to that end, what would you say are your, maybe your top three, like make sure you do these things or you include this idea or concept in a website that you think our listeners should make sure that they do. Yeah. I mean, I think a scrolling homepage at this point is really, really important. Like having like chunks, like sections of that lead to your interior pages, you kind of want it to be uh, my friend, Sarah Frandina is a copywriter and she says this and it's so smart, kind of like the, you are here map at the mall. Mm. Like that's what your homepage should feel like. You want to direct people where they want to go. So you want to grab them in with a big, you are here headline. Like this is who I am. This is who I serve. And that first piece of copy should be really engaging on your homepage. And then you go to the next section and you can talk a little bit about your experience or about you or about your pricing or galleries. You just want different sections that lead them the whole way down the page. So if they want to scroll the whole way to the bottom, they're getting a glimpse of everything that you want them to know about you right on that homepage. And each section should have a very visible call to action box that when they click it takes them to the corresponding interior page of your website. And just like quick tips, don't write it in the back end, write it in a Google Doc so you don't feel confined by your design. Mm. 
uh, that was something that I learned the hard way when I first was starting, like design can change, like make sure your copy says what it needs to say. Don't change it just because the box is too small. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If you look at a bunch of other photographers work, you're going to sound like them. And so my number one tip and what I try to get across to everybody is like, you don't want to sound like a polished professional version of yourself, unless that's actually how you talk. You want to sound like yourself. If you're having a really, really hard time, open up your phone and record yourself talking and saying what you want your clients to know about you. If you're trying to write your about page, just talk it, speak it into your memo, and then you can either transcribe it or pull out nuggets, but you're going to sound so much more like yourself if you do it speaking first. I love that. That is a fantastic idea. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really helpful. Or like for me, I'm a verbal processor, if you can't tell. Um, <laughs> you don't say. And I just talk at my husband. I'm like, sorry, bro. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm writing this right now and I have to talk it out. And he yeah. will literally take notes for me sometimes, or I will uh-huh. stop myself mid-sentence and write something down because I need the active listening of him making eye contact with me and agreeing with me. Or if I can see a confused look on his face, I know that's not it. And (laughs) it's just a really helpful way to get like live feedback from what you're saying. Writing shouldn't feel like writing. It should feel like talking. Yeah. And I think, I think especially like these days, people are used to sort of processing in different ways. And so Mm -hmm. I could totally see, like, I know there was times when I was sort of writing copy that I I think I did that actually without, now that I think about yeah. it, I, I did, I sort of was probably in my office talking to myself <laughs> <laughs> or like, or at least like reading it back to myself out loud. Cause that's, that's how I tend to have to do things that I'm like, all right, I need to hear this. Like I need yeah. to actually like hear what it sounds like. Let me read it out loud to make sure it makes sense. But that's such a good idea. I think, especially if like the idea of writing creates any sort of like anxiety or stress in you than, than talking. And you could even record yourself like having a conversation with somebody else and saying like, let me, let Mm -hmm. me talk to you, you know, like you're a client that I'm trying to hire or whatever. Let me, you know, walk you, talk you through that. And so that's another good idea too, of just, you know, using that recording option, which is, I think would maybe take some of that stress and anxiety oh, yeah. out of the process. And you said at the beginning of the episode, like, how do you write for so many other people? Writing for myself is much harder than writing for anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> like you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's so hard because you don't know how other people perceive you. So mm-hmm. you tend to like try to accommodate what your assumptions are about what they think of you, which is why research is so important. If you have actual words that people have said about you and about the experience of working with you and why they hired you, you can just pull right from there. You don't have to assume anything. So that's part of the guide too, giving you questions that you can ask your past clients to get that feedback. Yeah. And those reviews are so helpful Mm -hmm. to not only just be able to have reviews on your site, but also for exactly what you just said, like to to use their words. I'm just going to use what you said about me and I don't have to write about myself. (laughs) Right. Precisely. (laughs) That seems like a much better plan. (laughs) Yes. Would you say that there's any like major misconceptions about working with a copywriter that you would like to dispel for people like about the process? Yeah. I mean, I think hiring any creative professional to help you with your business, you need to understand that they are just a piece of a much larger puzzle. Like as much as I want copywriting to be like the oh, snap your fingers, it's all better you know, it's, that's not what anything is. Your website design isn't that, you know, your Instagram strategy isn't that your copy isn't that it's more just 
it should all be a strategic piece of the larger puzzle of kind of your business. Uh, something that has I've had to talk a lot about recently is how unless you're trying to rank on the number one page of Google, chances are the copy on your site is not your lead generator. It's your lead keeper. Mm. So changing your copy on your site, again, unless you hire an SEO professional and you're really like specific on your keywords, chances are your web copy aren't is not going to be the number one thing that's leading people to your site, but it should be the thing that's keeping people on your site. So when you can kind of flip that switch to be like, oh, all my Instagram leads that already are in love with my photos that land on my website, it's my website's job to convert them into buyers mm. or into clients. Then you kind of look at your copy in a different way. So I think I, I like to say like, I am not an SEO expert. I am a copywriter. I am there to get you like stronger inquiries because by the time they read your site, they should be really aligned with you if they're hitting that contact button. I'm not necessarily there to get people from page one of Google to be like a cold lead reaching out to you. Yeah. No, I think that's super helpful and informative because there are so many different aspects to and um, the whole process. And so understanding what each piece of that puzzle does and what its intention is and, and what the purpose of it is, is, is really, really important as you're sort of putting the website and the business process together. Oh, yeah. And I feel like another misconception about copywriters is... Well, a really funny one is that people are like, oh, so do you do like legal stuff? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I have nothing to do with copyright laws. Right. <laughs> and they're actually spelled differently too. But, and also kind of just what I was saying earlier about like copywriting kind of being the catch-all, it's also an integral part. Like as much as it's not going to be the thing that saves your business, you're also probably not going to get very far without it. Like I don't right. know many successful people that, have, you know, a bare website that are, you know, making millions doing this. Right. Yeah. It's definitely like part of the core of, of having a good, strong, successful website that does all the things that you just talked about. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would say that, you know, if you are someone who is in the process of trying to either rebrand or create, you know, focusing on the website design and the copy, I think are, are the two most important things to make sure, to making sure that it's doing its job for you. I mean, that that's what it should be doing. It should be working for you. And so making sure that those two pieces are in place. And if you don't feel like you have the ability to do that, then obviously we strongly recommend uh, Rachel and Green Cheer Stories to help you out with that. We will make sure Thanks, that we- guys. Yeah, we will make sure that we post all of her links in the show notes. And for our listeners too, for um, the coupon code as well. And so just know that you don't have to be alone in this process. There is someone very, <laughs> very well versed and educated and experienced to be able to help you through this process as well. So Rachel, we thank you so, so much for carving some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy day for you to chat with us. It's been lovely having you. Um, and we look forward to, to talking to you again. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Awesome. Yay, thanks, Rachel. All right. We'll see you and talk to all of you next week. Sounds good. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.